New on Curiosity Stream, how do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production? Could Napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future? And how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet? James Burke's visionary series, Connections, returns for a new generation. Experience all new Connections. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Tom MMA Strand Shows. We're here for the next hour to break down Saturday's UFC Vegas 55, which will go down inside the UFC Apex, be headlined by a women's bantamweight matchup, former champion Holly Holm, as she takes on Caitlin Vieira. Also, what I would say I think is the people's main event, Santiago Ponzinibbio taking on Michelle Fajaya. Of course, we'll break this one down for you over here, as mentioned, over the next hour or so, as we are sponsored by Prize Picks. As always, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Good afternoon, Pete. How's it going, man? What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. You know, it's a, a nice, relaxing evening. Got the PGA Championship on the television here to, to my left and uh, ready to break down these fights. Last week was, uh, man, it was Underdog City last week. Uh, all mm. starting off there with Petrovsky. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Jan Blachowicz. What was it a great score uh, that he had there? I mean, what was it? 66 DraftKings points, I, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, come on. that that That's... You get an asterisk on that. That's technically a win, but that was a uh, Rackage looked damn good early. And, uh, okay. All right. He clearly Rackage was up on that fight. Yeah. But uh, I went back and I, wa- I was watching the fight uh, yesterday morning. If you notice in that first round, those leg kicks early on where you could see where there was issues with the knees of Alexander Rackage. And, and now the fact that this is now the third time he has torn the ACL mm-hmm. two times in his previous knee. Uh, now it's uh, the right knee. I want to say it's now the first time, man, for a younger guy, three ACLs already. Man, that's, that's not good news, Pete. No, it's not good news at all. And it's pretty unfortunate because I think the guy is tremendously talented um, and his body, like some athletes, is just not holding up to competition. So, uh, Thoughts and prayers for him. Hope that he has a speedy recovery, but uh, the odds are definitely stacked against him in MMA. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, next time we'll see Alexander Rakic will be sometime there in 2023. But, of course, we're here to break down UFC Vegas number 55. And let's start right off with the main event. Holly Holm taking on Kalen Vieira. Holly Holm, 9,100 over on DraftKings, 7,100 for Vieira over there on uh, for her on DraftKings. Course, uh, as we do this show, FanDuel salaries are not out. Pete, what's your take, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested because of Holly Holmes return and just everything that she's accomplished within, you know, her career. I do think that she is the more well-rounded mixed martial artist here. And for a large majority of her career, she was just a striker surviving in MMA fights and, you know, showcasing that good volume and, um, you know, incorporating kicks as well, you know, known primarily for her boxing, but she started to really incorporate good kicks and maintaining distance and having just like high fight IQ fights. Um, Caitlin Vieira, I, I think surprised some people in her previous fight against Misha Tate. And, um, you know, obviously Misha Tate was riding high and, and looking really good from her return and, um, recency bias may have somewhat clouded everybody's judgment, including my own, 
um, and, and somewhat overlooking Caitlin Vieira. But for this matchup, I, I think that Holly Holmes distance, her volume, her striking, and more importantly, her footwork and just, you know, her fight IQ, especially in, in tough situations and just championship experience is just going to, you know, it's, it's going to be enough to, uh, to withstand what Vieira throws at her. Obviously the concern always with Holly Holm is if she gets taken down and she's put in submission positions where her opponent is starting to threatening with threatened with submissions. Caitlin Vieira definitely could do that. I, I don't think that this is going to be a cakewalk by any means, but I do think that Holly Holm's going to do enough to edge out a decision. I don't necessarily think that she scores all that well, because I don't think she'll be the one engaging in takedown. She can, if it's a close round, but I don't think it's going to be like, you know, a, a fundamental piece of her strategy as it was against Irene Aldana. Yeah. I mean, you look at two of her, of Holly Holmes last three wins, the other one being it's Megan Anderson, a combined nine takedowns in mm-hmm. those two fights, four against Megan five against Aldana. And, and I think that when we think about this from a, a daily fancy sports perspective, I mean, look from overall fight, I think I do like Holly Holmes to win this fight. I think she's going to win this fight, be a decision. I think if you look at the betting side of this fight, I'd probably be looking at playing that prop bet of, of Holly Holmes to win via decision here. But as I think about from a DFS perspective and at a 9,100, dollar price point you know she's going to have to get takedowns from me to to pay off that price point now in terms of cash i don't mind getting the v8 at 7100 yeah i mean I'm, I'm not much of a cash player but i can't blame you because uh i do think that this fight's going to hit the later rounds i i, I am forecasting a decision um holly Holm, if she gets an early finish she would definitely cash that 9100 salary not foreseeing that happening uh, Cantley Vieira could do enough, even in a loss for cash where it makes sense. You're just basically punting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there are some other spots where I, I might want to take a shot, but I, I'm with you. Five rounds, women's MMA tends to go the distance. It's fine for a punt play for cash. Of course, appreciate it. That's sitting here watching also MMA strategy show. And be sure to give us a like and subscribe to the channel so you keep up to date with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and so much more. And of course, once you subscribe, hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the channel. If you're not an also a plus member, today's free premium data and tools are MLB player projections, NBA player rankings for Heat Celtics, game two, and NHL player projections. So check that out over there at awesomeo.com. Uh, moving on to the co-main event, as I said, I feel like this is the people's main event here, Pete. Santiago Ponzinibbio and Michelle Pajaya here at 170 pounds. And, of course, uh, you, you think of uh, Michelle Pajaya in his past couple of fights, kind of a guy that's kind of reined it in a little bit. But the wildness and the the crazy antics at Capoeira style that we've known Michelle Pajaya before, this is one of those equations where, I mean, look, I, I think that the likelihood this thing is probably going to go 15 minutes. But at this price point of $8,200 for Pahea, $8,000 for Ponsonibio, this might be a hard fight to avoid. Yeah, it's a hard fight to pass uh, generally, especially if you think that um, the pace of it's going to be pretty high. I do think it's going to be a pretty high-paced fight, and it kind of scares me to think that this is going to go the distance. I kind of forecast like a, a later finish, not necessarily like somebody goes out there and gets an early round one finish, but even in a decision, um, in a high volume striking affair, maybe occasional takedown attempts, we could still have a fighter make it into the optimal lineup. Obviously, it's slate dependent, depends on the rest of the slate, but 8,200, 8,000 tends to find its way and sneak its way into optimal lineups more often than not because it's basically allowing you a ton of roster construction. I say it every week. I'm going to always prioritize main event, co-main event, 
fighters. And then also that 8,200, 8,000 fight, just it makes roster construction so easy. Um, with this particular matchup, I do think that there is value on both sides. Michelle Pahea, you know, basically making himself into a more calculated fighter. You're starting to see some potential there because he has a crazy offense, super talented guy, um, very unorthodox with everything that he throws and very explosive. Um, he also can attempt takedowns as well to solidify rounds, which is a sneaky, sneaky thing in, in a dangerous mm -hmm. matchup here against Santiago Ponzinibbio because, you know, Ponzinibbio is really going to want to, you know, excel in the boxing department and, and land good combinations. He does get hit quite a bit. And uh, the war against Miguel Baeza once that is one that really sticks out to me because we've seen Miguel Baeza really like kind of fall off a cliff with his performance after being touted as one of the best prospects within the game. Um, you know, it, it's it's a situation where was Ponzinibbio really good in that fight or was Miguel Baeza really just not what we expected? And it's it's a tough thing to to really put your finger on. The experience lies with Santiago Ponzinibbio for sure. Um, I'm going to be leaning towards Michelle Pahea, but it's a slight lean. And uh, I think Santiago Ponzinibbio is one of the best underdogs on a slate. Uh, I like Viviane Araujo last week. She was 8,000, and uh, she came through because the price point just makes sense for a lot of lineups. So uh, I'm getting to ton of, of Santiago Ponzinibbio, but I feel like Michelle Pahea, he might land some harder shots. Uh, he might be able to land a takedown or two. And uh, I, I think that the new Michelle Pahea 2.0 might be able to pick up a win here. Marcos over in chat says over under on how many Superman punches Michelle Pahea will throw. I'm going to say it's got to be. Yeah, exactly. Somebody said four and a half. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a wild man. And I think that his creativity is what can lead to a lot of success because if he goes out there and tries to be just like a, a strictly a make this into a boxing match, then you're probably going to be tilting in Ponzinibbio's favor you know, give him something to think about, may, maybe mix some things up, um, throw some things that are unorthodox. And uh, I mean, definitely have to be more intelligent. So, you know, raising your fight IQ is essential in order to be successful. But, um, you know, don't don't really evaporate your creativity. Of course, uh, moving on next up, we've got Chidi Injigwani taking on Dusko Todorovic. Todorovic, 7,500, 8,700 for Chidi Injigwani. And, uh, you know, this is a fight that I just feel like, you know, presenting both sides of the case here, Pete. I mean, obviously, if you're Chidi Injigwani, it's about keeping this on the feet, using that reach advantage that he does have in this matchup, a six-inch reach advantage. And look, at the end of the day, there's a reason uh, his nickname is Bang Bang. He, he likes to throw them bungalows, as I like to say. But, I mean, like, if you're Dusko to Warovich on the other side, I think the thought process has got to be is you got to you got to get on the inside. You got to make this a clinching, potentially grappling type matchup. Yeah, I, I think it's essential to be honest because Dusko Todorovic's striking defense is somewhat non-existent. Non-existent doesn't keep his hands up, um, gets hit quite a bit, and that's not a recipe for success when you're going up against a talented striker in Chidi and Chikwani. Um, Chidi and Chikwani is going to have a reach advantage in this matchup, a six-inch reach advantage. Um, and I, I do think that his, his striking was on showcase last fight against Marc-Andre Barrio, where I loved him in that spot and he, and he came through for us and Injikwani is just like, uh, he, he's a striker who has, has redefined and started to polish some of his holes. So, um, I, I do worry though, cause I kind of, I, we mentioned it on the odd chopper video. I worry about him getting ragdolled in, in the takedown department, getting put on his back, get hit with, you know, ground and pound, threatened with submissions. I feel like he's a better mixed martial artist in 2022 than he ever has been. 
Um, and that's Dusko's path to victory. So whenever we're looking at underdogs, we want to find underdogs with, you know, early finishing potential or grappling upside. Dusko, if he puts together the correct game plan, could beat Chidi uh, and Jaquani here. But for the majority of my lineups, I'm going to be siding with Chidi and Jaquani just because I feel like he hits too hard. He's too good on the feet. And Dusko's striking defense is non-existent and uh, could lead to more, t- more knockdowns, could lead to an early knockout, or could just lead to a, uh, a stellar 30-27 performance for Chidi and Jaquani. Yeah, and that strikes absorbed per minute rate for Dusko uh, is not a good number. 4.96. That's not a number that you want to attach to, to your name there. But I mean, look, we always talk, like one of the things I'm always looking at every week when we're talking about the DraftKings salaries because uh, Fandle's not out yet, but it, it's those fighters to me that are from that 84 to 88 range of, mm-hmm. okay, who's going to be, has that key path to being optimal? If you look at Cheedy because of what he could do, potentially knock down first round type victory but uh there obviously is concern there in terms of if if this does become a grappling matchup here uh, between him and dusko next up we got a female matchup on viana taking on tabitha ricci 7900 for viana 8300 for ricci and just like the last matchup we have a notable reach advantage for one of the fires in this in this matchup and that's viana with a six inch reach advantage over ricci yeah and this is a tricky fight right because the 8200 fight 8,000 fight makes it into the optimal. And then the salary above that as well is, is pretty close. So 8,300 and 7,900 is one where people kind of scroll past it and they don't include it enough as they should. And in women's MMA, this could be a, a slate breaker for sure. Tabitha Ricci went out there and performed pretty admirably in her last performance, picking up 99 fantasy points against Maria Oliveira, where she went five of 11 with takedown attempts. And I do think that if she goes the takedown route, she could have some success here against Poliana Viana. The issue with Viana is how she's submitted fighters relatively quickly and also been submitted relatively quickly as well. Um, back-to-back wins, submission wins in the first round against Mallory Martin and Emily Whitmire. Um, but prior to that, lost in the first round to Veronica Macedo. As far as the grappling, I, I'm kind of torn as to how this is going to go. I would probably say that Tabitha Ricci will have an advantage and be able to, you know, nullify some of the attempts that Poliana Viana throws up. But if this remains on the feet, I feel like Poliana Viana might have a slight volume edge and she might be able to do enough to win and squeak out a decision. It's a sweaty fight. It really is. It's going to be a really close one. Um, I'm going to pick the underdog Poliana Viana, but it's like the slightest lane in the world. Um, Not really a fight that I'm looking forward to watching but I will be including it in, in my player pool for sure, just because of the salary. Yeah, Viana is someone that uh, I will be uh, targeting on this one as well. You got to love the price point there. Of course, get all access to all the great Awesome tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Awesome Plus Platinum Pass. This includes full access to all the premium content and tools on Awesome.com, including player projections, ownership projections, lineup builder, our premium Discord channel, and much more. And now, if you're a new user of Also Plus Platinum, then you can save 50% on your first month of Also Plus Platinum. All you have to do is click the link in the video description below to activate this offer, or you can head over to our join page and use the promo code MMA Strategy Show, all caps, one word. That's MMA Strategy Show for 50% off your first month of Also Plus Platinum. Once again, this is for new users only. Of course, if you're only interested in playing MMA DFS, you can sign up for Also Plus MMA package for low as $2.95 weekly. 
course, uh, Fantasy Cruncher is an add-on that is not included in our base packages, but can easily be added at checkout. Stop guessing. Start winning. Join Awesome Plus today. And, of course, uh, Fantasy Cruncher, that is a massive part of how I'm developing my lives every Saturday for UFC DFS. And uh, I will tell you, it's usually after this show when I start doing some of my crunches because, well, I got to hear what my guy Pete has to say because sometimes he might he might sway me in one way or another. And uh, the next matchup is something I'm really interested to hear what Pete has to say here because there's a particular angle I'm looking at with this fight. And I don't know if me and Pete are on the same page here. John Young Park taking on Eric Anders. Park, 9,7200 for Eric Anders. Here's my question, Pete. Park taking Anders to take down City. I've been battling that all day, all week, because, I mean, Eric Anders can land takedowns as well. And he's like a, he's a solid BJJ practitioner. But Jung Young Park, I feel like might have the slight edge in the takedown uh, department. My issue is the physicality of Eric Anders. Eric Anders is a big guy. So at some point, strength can can uh, negate some takedown attempts. But I do like Jung Young Park here. And I don't know if I'm in love with the salary at 9000 But we have seen him ragdoll his opposition at times. He went 5 of 10 against uh, Mark andre Barrio in the takedown department. Four of four against John Phillips. I'm surprised that wasn't like way more than that. And he didn't finish him. And two of five against Tafan and Chukwe. I think the previous matchup against Greg, uh, Gregory Rodriguez was a pretty dangerous one because we've seen Gregory Rodriguez look damn good in the UFC. And uh, he was on his way to winning that, almost knocked him out, and then ended up getting you know knocked out himself. I'm going to be favoring Jung Young Park in the matchup. But like, I mean, Eric Anders is a guy where... <laughs> I don't know. If you look at his box score, it's the most hideous thing. Like you're sitting there and you're seeing <laughs> all these scores. I'm on fantasy cruncher right now over on osmo.com. And I'm just seeing tons of red and tons of just strange outcomes. And it's not like a, I don't know. It's not a sexy pick by any means. It's just a strong fighter who does have talent coming from a good camp. I'm going to side with Jung Young Park. I'm not in love with the fact that he got knocked out in his previous bout. Um, usually known for his durability and just his, overall takedown potential as well. And I do think that at 9,000, is he a better play than Holly Holm? That's basically the the argument I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to say he is, even though that Holly Holm has five rounds to work with. That's that's a tough one. I mean, it it becomes of, to me, the, obviously, the path would be is him going to take down City with this one with Eric Anders. Right. I mean, look, the one thing about Eric Anders is is Eric Anders has been an up and down fighter in the UFC. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of the situation. And, and as Marcos notes uh, over in the chat and uh, yesterday at the media day, uh, Eric Anders was not too happy with the betting odds on this one, so he is uh, he's put a thousand dollars on him. I, I want to say he got himself like a plus one seventy five. Should have put and basically, more. I think I think his line was something along the lines of uh, that winning is going to pay for my bar tab after his yeah, fight's over. I heard that, and he said Vegas got this one wrong. Well, we'll see. Um, fighters don't tend to have the best history of betting on themselves, at least when they, they come out publicly and say it. Um, so I like what Marcos is, is alluding to there. But, uh, I mean, a 1000 bucks for a UFC fighter, if you're that confident, I mean, throw, like, way more. You know what I mean? Like, a 1000 bucks. We're over here at Degenerates throwing a thousand bucks on lineups all the time. So like, wow, wow. Eric Anders, big spender over there. 
Um, I mean, the one thing you do like is the fact of he has spent this entire camp at Fight Ready, mm-hmm. and you, you, when you look at when you talk about when you look at that Fight Ready team of what Santiago and, and Eddie and uh, Henry Cejudo, what they've been able to do uh, with that team over the last year or so. I mean, you like that aspect, but I'd, I'd much rather get to Park. But you know, the one thing about Anders and and talking about from a GPP aspect is just sometimes you just like. Give us some more volume, man. Yeah. Give us some more volume, and so it's a, a lot of times that volume just isn't there. Yeah, it's like that that picture of the the person with the stick, and it's like do something. Sometimes it's like you know, like go out there, have some output, have some aggression, have something. I mean, we hear all the time of how skilled this guy is, and under the lights, it's just not really materializing. And this could be the fight because the salary is is like extremely low on him. So with the correct game plan and a strong team, perhaps it's the week. But I'm siding with Jung Young Park. Next up, we got a matchup of Joseph Holmes taking on Alan Amadovsky. 8,800 for Joseph Holmes, 7,400 for Amadovsky. This is high volatility fight, Pete. Oh, my God. I mean, is that about the best way to put this fight? Who the hell knows with this fight is, is what it is. I mean, Amadovsky, not even UFC talent. Joseph Holmes, arguably borderline. So it's like, goodness gracious, volatility. It, it reminds me of the, the Michael Johnson and uh, Alain Patrick fight where you just, there's so many unknowns and variables that we don't necessarily know how this is going to go. Uh, I mean, I'm going to side with, with Joseph Holmes and the fact that he's been acclimated a little bit more. Um, he's massive for the division. He's six foot four, whereas Amadovsky's five ten. He has a six inch reach advantage as well. He has a good camp behind him. I don't necessarily know if Amadovsky's like talented enough to be at this level. And like, you know, we have seen Joseph Holmes show some glimmers of, of potential with like his length and good straight yeah. punches and, you know, submission attempts off it. Like he, he at least tries and Amadovsky in the UFC landed only six strikes against Christoph Jocko. He went six of 17. It was a 15 minute fight, Jason. He got taken down four or four times and controlled for nine minutes and 36 seconds. Against John Phillips, it lasted 17 seconds. He landed two strikes. He went two of 11, and he got knocked out. So, I mean, where do you have confidence with Amadovsky other than just playing and thinking that, you know, contender series guy is not necessarily good enough? Uh, Ugly man Joe landed two takedowns. He went two of five on Dana White's contender series. So, at least we know that he can, you know, attempt submissions, take people down, strike from range. It's got to be Joseph Holmes for me. It has to be. I don't really know how I could have any confidence in the other side. And this is why, I mean, look, I, I, I feel like you don't let friends bet on people who've lost to Phillips in fights. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. Right. Um, you know, I, I do feel like because of the way Joseph Holmes' first fight went in the UFC against Jamie Pickett mm-hmm. and to what Amadovsky has had not, has had no success in the UFC. The loser's fight probably is getting cut. And yeah. because you got to remember Dana White's contender series is right around the corner. You know what? Uh, there's going to get a lot of guys who are going to get released to make room for these fighters who, who come into the contender series. I mean, like, you know, the one thing's about Joseph Holmes, he, he spent, uh, I think pretty much his entire camp at, at glory and May and fitness uh, leading into this one, you know, so you do like it there, but man, it, it's just the price point. I mean, he should win this fight. He should win this fight, but man, it, to me, it, it's got high volatility written all over next up we have got a heavyweight matchup Dalton Almeida moving up to heavyweight uh, where he has said he's not staying he'll go back to down to 205 which I will say this 
I want to see what he looks like on the on the scales tomorrow. That's going to be kind of an interesting thing to me. Uh, he's ninety four hundred over on DraftKings. Parker Porter, sixty eight hundred. I mean, look, I think that if you're looking for first round upside, Almeida's a guy. Mm-hmm. But man, if Parker Porter survives an early storm from Jolton Almeida, Pete, he's uh, he is probably he's my punt play of the week. Yeah, I mean. The, th- the issue here is the fact that Almeida's fighting at a weight class above where he normally is, you know, competing in, in jujitsu competitions all over the place with weight, open weight, all that. That's fine. Fighting is completely different when punches and kicks and knees and strikes and submission. You know what I mean? Like it's everything. It's a lot to, to only have round one cardio and bank on round one cardio. He has the best round one percentage on the entire slate and he's priced like it. 9,400. He's got that that Romanov, you know, characteristic about him where he's just so dominant in certain areas. But outside of round one, how does he look? Does he do well? Does he respond to adversity well? Does he, you know, uh, just basically succumb to to fatigue? That's where Parker Porter, the steadier fighter of the two, um, you know, could do fine. And I'll tell you what a lot of people don't know is Parker Porter is talented on the mat. Um, He's a very, very good BJJ practitioner. Um, I do think that if say, let's say, I know it's not not the case at all. Let's say Jelton Almeida was a normally a 250 pound fighter. Mm-hmm. Then I do think that I would favor him pretty significantly in this matchup. Okay. But the fact that he's giving up 50 pounds or more weight, you know, weigh in depending just, it, it, it screams, be careful. And, uh, past couple weeks, past couple months, past couple cards, some of these 6,000 fighters are actually coming through when they shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's supposed to happen isn't happening because in the sport of MMA, upsets happen all the time. And uh, we saw Andre Petrosky last week capitalize pretty well against Nick Maximoff. So I'm just saying Parker Porter is going to be, as you say, the punt play of the week. He's the super punt play of the week, and I don't fault you if you want to get a little bit bullish. Um, I'm going to wait to see what ownership's like, and I'm probably going to be over the field on it just in case it happens. Yeah, to me, it comes down to a what's he look like on the scale and b yeah. ownership. I mean, it's you're, you're talking about you know it's not like you look at Jolton Almeida and you look at someone who you say is big for the light heavyweight class, and then you got on the other side you got Parker Porter. This guy cuts to get to 265 yeah. pounds. I mean, that's that's one of those things of what happens because you have to imagine the, the Parker Porter team has got to be thinking of, okay, how do we've got to use our physical advantages to our king? You know, if you can get in top position and really wear down Jonathan Almeida, however, Almeida to me, first round upside, someone to definitely consider with in, ter- in terms of him. Oh, yeah. Next up, we've got Omar out Morales taking on Uyos medic medic, 7,800, 8,400 for Omar Morales. I like Morales in the spot beat. I know you do. It's a fight that I like. So similar to the previous fight where like Jelton Almeida, Parker Porter, I'm going to have a ton of the fight. Don't necessarily care who I get. Uh, Jason really likes Omar Morales. And I think it's probably largely due to his uh, strength of schedule. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you're saying someone in Alaska FC you shouldn't put money on? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been saying this for a long time. Um, it's <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like, just uh, look, look. I'm just saying, if you're a fighter on the regional scene and you want a, a good matchup, go to Alaska FC, bro. They will give you, they will give you the right fight. Yeah. Oh, they sure will. Yeah. You could be, and you might, you might be fighting in someone's backyard because I've yeah. seen the pictures, but man, that, that, re- bro, that regional scene in Alaska. Ooh, horrible. 
it's, it's horrible and everybody knows it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it could be a situation where Uros Medic, yeah, he looks good when he's the hammer and he goes out there and is, it goes ballistic and hits you with crazy combinations and he's super aggressive, but he's also uh, very immature in his MMA career because he hasn't had to deal with adversity. So as uh, Omar Morales priced at 8,400, which is like that, you know, that darling, that salary darling right there that Jason always talks about week to week. Um, he's fought Jonathan Pierce, Shane Young, Giga Chikaze, Gabriel Benitez, Dong Hyun Ma. Like those are really, really good fighters. Like that's like not murderer's row, but that's pretty solid opposition. So I like how he has been, uh, you know, able to deal with some fights, um, you know, getting taken down multiple times against Jonathan Pierce in submitted is nothing that he doesn't have to worry about that in his fight against Urosh Medic because Medic has zero ground game. Medic is going to go throw caution to the wind, try to finish you within the first two frames. If that doesn't happen, I do think that Morales is the steadier fighter and uh, that he has more skills and more ways to win. Morales could take Medic down the takedown city if he wants to. I mean, he's attempted, he went two of two in takedowns against Shane Young and one of one against Young Hyo Ma. Um, this could be a situation where, you know, the Sanford MMA team just says, hey, this guy, he's a dangerous guy on the feet. Let's take him to the mat where he can't hit you, can't hurt you. He has no game there, obviously. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fighter works on developing their game. Medich probably got a little bit better in that in that area, but he's not going to completely patch that hole in one training camp. So uh, I favor Omar Morales, but all in all, it's a great fight to target. And, and look, I could very well see my, myself just you know, in hand building lineups that I just I just put Chidi and Kwani, Omar Morales, and mm-hmm. then I build I build my lineup straight from there. I mean, I can certainly see myself doing that. Of course, this is the Oslo.com MMA Strategy Show, and we are sponsored by Prize Picks. Get one free month of Oslo Plus Platinum when you sign up, deposit, and play over there at Prize Picks. You get an email within twenty four to forty eight hours to take advantage of that free month of Oslo Plus Platinum. And uh, Pete, look it over at the props over at Prize Picks for this UFC card. I'm going to start off first off with fight time, Pete. And there was some that uh, stuck out to me, but there's one that stuck out to me more than others. And that was Chidi and Jaquani, a fight time of nine minutes. I like the under here. Oh, it's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game because like Dusko has been hit so much and like knocked down a lot, but he also gets back up to keep fighting. It's kind of like the Terminator at times, but I do think a knockout's coming. I'm going to say less, but it's close. It's close to me. You know, the other one, I, 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 I'm not sure if I want to make this a play or not, 
But if I was going to make a play right now, it's definitely an underplay on fight time. Felipe Colaris, 14 and three quarters, taking on Chase Hooper. We're going to talk about that matchup here in a little bit. Like if I was going to, you know, if you were looking to throw a third piece in here on, on, on prize picks, I'd probably go under there just because of, uh, man, I, of course, I have no idea what Chase Hooper is going to look like there. That, that's the other thing about that. Um, takedowns. I like an under takedown play over on, on prize picks as well. And that is Michelle Pahea, one and a half takedowns. I think this fight plays out on the feet. Pete. I do too. But like, if I'm a part of Michelle Pahea's camp, I mean, he landed three against Nico Price, two against Chaos Williams, one against Andre Fialo, who's turned into a, an exceptional talent within the UFC. Santiago Ponzinibbio um, taken down once by Mike Perry, once against Zach Cummings. I, I feel like one is fine. Two is possible. So I, I agree with the under. Um, but yeah, I, a lot of people are thinking it's a striking matchup, including ourselves. I hope it is. I hope it is because it's going to be a, a hell of a co-main event. Also, the the Kolaris takedowns of one and a half. I think you got to look under there because, like, if you're Kolaris, why would you go to the ground when that's how Chase Hooper can win the fight? Yeah, I tell you, I, I mean, I can't wait to talk about the Chase Hooper fight because I feel like you might not necessarily agree with me on it, but uh, I can't wait to get to it. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm interested. I, I'm. I am now fascinated with what you might say about Chase Hooper. I'm fascinated. Here you know, I think he's a fraud, but I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, Sam, I appreciate you in the super chat. Of course, we'll get uh, to your questions here at right at the end of the show once we get through breaking down these final three matchups. Next up, we have got a matchup of Jonathan Martinez taking on Vince Morales. Eighty nine hundred for Jonathan Martinez. 7,300 for Vince Morales. And, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit on, on the Odd Shopper video. You look at Vince Morales, since he went to Syndicate MMA, you've seen vast improvements uh, in his game. Um, taking on Jonathan Martinez. Martinez training out of Factory X. He's good friends with Chris Gutierrez, who has previously fought Vince Morales. And for those who don't remember that matchup, Chris Gutierrez uh, leg kicked the crap out of Vince Morales before getting the victory there. Uh, I, I do think that that is going to be probably the method for Jonathan Martinez here. The price point on Jonathan Martinez on DraftKings at 8900 is a little high for me personally um, because I think that potentially this fight, if there's a stoppage, I think it comes early third round, maybe late second round. Um, but uh, Vince Morales at 7300 I think is a interesting underdog play. Yeah, when we were talking about the Odd Shopper video and I said that I keep questioning if Jonathan Martinez is going to ruin a parlay for us. And I, I, I stayed away from him just because I do have fears and the durability is a concern for me. Um, you know, getting knocked down against Alejandro Perez, getting knocked out and knocked down against Davey Grant, getting knocked down twice against Andre Sukumtat. You know, he finds himself in fights and uh, tends to get into wars from time to time where, you know, he just slugs it out on the feet when he's at distance. He's great. And that's where I, I would recommend, and I'm sure his coaches are recommending it as well. Stay at distance, stay at kicking range, you know, test the legs and, and the, the leg kick defense that uh, Vince Morales, let's see if he, if he patched some holes there. Um, if it's played out at kicking range, I do like Jonathan Martinez. My worry is that he just allows himself to get into these wars. And if somebody steps into the pocket, I feel like he could get, you know, planted on the ground. I'm actually going to side with Vince Morales and I've been torn on it all week. It's a slight lean towards Vince Morales, just because I feel like the salaries are off. As you mentioned, 
um, the writings on the wall of how to beat Vince Morales. It's just a matter of if he's patched those holes. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Martinez needs to leg kick from both sides, you know, switching stances often um, and just basically play the, the outpointing game. Uh, but Vince Morales can hit you with one combination, you know, you drop you, has some sneaky wrestling that he doesn't ever utilize. And, uh, you know, what, what is he, cousins with Ricky Simone? So, like, I yes. wish that he would do that. Um, he went one of four in takedowns against Draco Rodriguez. This is just a salary play for me. So it's a, it's a slight lean towards Vince Morales, uh, even though the writing's on the wall of how to beat him. Yeah, this is one of those weeks uh, in terms of DraftKings salaries. I feel like it's going to be roster construction is not going to be difficult to put lineups together just mm-hmm. based on some of these uh, you know, plays that I, I do think that I want to get to in terms of GPPs. All right, Chase Hooper, Felipe Calars, 8,600 for Calars, 7,600 for Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper hasn't fought in a year. All right, Pete, what's this, what's this crazy thing you're going to tell me? Well, it's not really crazy, but like, you know, I think everybody and their brother wants to bet against Chase Hooper, and I get it um, because, you know, I, at first glance, I always look at the card and I write down what my first impression picks are. And then I go back and I watch film and I add all these other variables, not even including odds. And then I see if I if I differ. Initially, I liked Felipe Claris just because I feel like, you know, I, I think Chase Hooper's not that good. I don't think that he's UFC talent. Then I start to realize, and I, I start to dive into tape, and I realize, wow, Felipe Calaris is a bantamweight. This fight's at featherweight. Mm-hmm. Big step yep. up in weight for him. Okay. Chase Hooper you know, made some changes as well, working out with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Don't necessarily love that style for him, but I, I, it's got to be better than what he had, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Distance striking, footwork. Footwork is a key thing that I think that he can implement into his game to be a little bit better. His straight punch is actually pretty good. And like his toughness is pretty tough. He's he's a pretty tough guy as well. I just watched his, uh, his grappling match against Hanato Moicano at 170 pounds. It's a big boy. Hanato Moicano. When you, we, we see him take people down. He cuts through their guards like butter. He threatens them. He submits them. He looks like an animal. I'll tell you what, Hanato Moicano wasn't able to do much to, to um, chase Hooper at all. And chase Hooper, was trying to elevate him with a lot of sweeps. And, uh, you know, he likes to be on his back, which is a red flag a lot of times in MMA, because if you're on your back, you're losing. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like he was somewhat off balancing Hanata Moicano. Moicano shut down every attempt that Chase Hooper had, um, took Chase's back twice with it. But uh, Chase Hooper was able to get out of those positions. So as far as BJJ and grappling is considered, I don't think Felipe Claris is going to be able to threaten uh, Chase Hooper on the mat. And, uh, Felipe Claris is pretty, pretty poor at defending takedowns. He can get some takedowns as well. And I do think the length is going to be the difference maker here for Chase Hooper. Um, you know, on the feet, I think I and always worry about him getting rocked and knocked out. But a five-inch reach advantage should, you know, help him in this situation. Working with Wonder Boy and that team should help him in this situation. And the scrambling ability in unorthodox jujitsu is where I'm going to tilt in his favor. He's, he's going to be an underdog that I'm going to back, even though I don't, I do think that he's a fraud. Um, and I think a lot of people will look at the, the Peter Barrett fight and say how he was getting, you know, beaten throughout mm-hmm. Peter Barrett's yeah. a big guy. Peter Barrett's a big guy. He's not a bantamweight. Yeah. And uh, Felipe Claris is a bantamweight through and through. So I'm just favoring Chase Hooper in the matchup. I think you'll have the better jujitsu 
striking is to be determined. Uh, he could get knocked out and, and flatline, but uh, if anybody's a, a back taker, it's Chase Hooper. And that's where I, I'm going to be favoring him heavily here. Could be a control time type of score. So 7,600, he's, he's an underdog that I'm going to be aggressive on with the field. You know, when you look at Chase, obviously the striking just isn't there. Now, what has happened over the last year? You know, you know, maybe we see a little, maybe we see the the vast improvements in his striking abilities. I mean, the one thing I'll say about Chase is the fact of when everyone knows what you do well, and the fact of it's it's submissions for him. You know, there can be a little bit of a fear there, and I think that you know you mentioned about that Peter Barrett fight, and you know, I think Peter would admit that you know, hey, his mindset was like, I can't get to the ground, can't get to the ground. You know, got to keep this fight on the feet. I mean, it's just. You know, if you're Kolaris, to me, it's just keep this fight on the feet and and just strike with them. Don't even engage in grappling because that that's the path of victory for Chase. I agree with you. I just don't think that Kolaris can avoid it. It's like in his blood. He he's a BJJ black belt, a brown belt, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Kolaris likes to initiate grappling. Uh, we even saw in the Montel Jackson fight where they went back. He got ragdolled early on, and then he was able to reverse out of positions and then got back to his feet and. I wish Chase Hooper, yes, he needs to patch his, his striking. But I feel like if he got better at wrestling, like like train with Ben Askren. Like they, they had all these things and Ben Askren and him are buddies or go train with DC. Train with somebody who's really going to get your takedowns to get you in your, you know, your most beneficial spot, your most advantageous spot. So Chase Hooper for me, I think could be a sneaky play on the slate. And he's probably going to be the person who scrambles better. So we'll have to see. Of course, uh, the first fight of the night is going to be a female matchup. Elise Reed taking on Sam Hughes, 8,500 for Elise, 7,700 for Sam. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm torn on the fight, but not really. Like, I, I like mm-hmm. Elise Reed in the matchup. You and I spoke of it a couple of days ago on, on Odd Shopper. Um, I do think that her footwork is going to be the difference maker here. She likes to move laterally, whereas Sam Hughes literally moves forward. And that's it. Or she gets backed up in a straight line. And uh, Sam Hughes can be a punching bag at times. And I think that Elise Reed fought a better opponent than what Sam Hughes is. She just fought Corey McKenna, who I, I, I think everybody views her as a pretty solid prospect within the division. And she's battled concussions throughout her career. But Corey McKenna, very talented, all well-rounded. She can take you down. She can box with you. And I think Elise Reed showed that, yeah, she can get taken down at times. But I went back and I watched a lot of her regional tape. She has so much experience when it comes to defending takedowns. Like she, she's progressively gotten better and developed into a better defensive wrestler. Still not the greatest. But I'm telling you, every single person wants to take her down, every single matchup. And I feel like Sam Hughes obviously is going to look to do that. And it's, uh, it was on display in her previous matchup against Estela Nunes, who round one, she got absolutely murked. Round two, Outside the final 45 seconds uh, where she landed a takedown and basically into crucifix, uh, she was losing that round or it was it was competitive, but I, I thought that she was losing it. But the stamp on the round was getting into an advantageous position. She went two of five and takedown attempts against Estela Nunez. I just think the activity, the the striking of Elise Reed, the right hand more than anything. Elise Reed has a pretty accurate right hand and uh, Sam Hughes gets hit with right hands a lot. So I, I think that she's going to hit her, hurt her often. And as long as she moves laterally, I think she'll be able to escape most of the takedown attempts of Sam Hughes. So give me a least read in the matchup. Yeah, this is one of those ones that, man, it's, you know, 
could it be optimal? I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It's 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 one of those matchups that I just don't feel confident. I mean, I, one thing is I just can't feel confident taking Sam Hughes. I just can't. Yeah. Um, you know, so to me, I, I would rather get to the least read side of this story. Of course, one of the things that Pete and I love to see after the fights are over are those winning screenshots, and we want to see you go into the Osmo Hall of Fame this week. Of course, for you to get into the Osmo Hall of Fame, first off, you got to be rocking that Osmo avatar on your DFS profile. You can get that over at Osmo.com slash avatar and when you place in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants tweet your wins at awesome hof and you'll win a free month of also plus platinum only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year and congratulations to jordan taking down first and second over there on DraftKings in an mlb contest winning over $70,000 goes to you. And of course shows you how using those awesome tools and content can help you out every single day. Also, uh, Ryan, congratulations for taking down a second place there in a FanDuel MLB contest. Also, you got the Alabama Jones, Bama Jones taking down first place over there in the, over there on FanDuel in a captain's contest for game two of, uh, or excuse me, game one of Warriors. And Mavericks, also congratulations to uh, Draft Class, uh, taking down first place in a MLB Minimax. Also, Chris taking down $70,000 first place Damn. finish over there on FanDuel over there in Sunday's NBA contest over there. So you got to check out all the great uh, tools and data we have over awesome.com to help you win those uh, those big winnings over there. Kudos to everyone that's gone into the Osmo Hall of Fame over the past couple of days. Pete, let's get into our straight-up fight picks here. So these are non-DFS related, starting off with the main event. Uh, I will go Holly Holm. Yeah, I'm going to go Holly Holm as well. Co-main event, give me the slight underdog in Santiago Ponzinibbio. I respect it. It's close for me. I'm going to I'm gonna pick Michelle Pejea, though. Uh, I will take uh, Chidi Njikwani. Yep, Chidi Njikwani. I'll go with my second underdog, uh, Poliana Viana. I'm going to go Poliana Viana, but I'm not necessarily convinced. Uh, I will go uh, Park over Anders. Park. Uh, high volatility fight, but give me Joe Holmes. Yeah, give me Joe Holmes, I guess. Almeida Porter, um, straight up wise, I will go Almeida, but concerns if the fight hits, uh, you know, second, third round. Totally agree. Almeida, though. Uh, Omar Morales for me. Morales. I will go Jonathan Martinez. I think uh, leg kicks will be the reason he wins that fight. Yeah, I'm going to go Vince Morales. I will go Felipe Calaris, even though I, I can't pick Chase Hooper. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, but I, uh, I'm i going to pick Chase Hooper. I'm going to plant that flag this week. We'll see. And in the first fight of the night, uh, give me Elise Reed. Give me Elise Reed as well. Samuel, of course, uh, he has up in the super chat, so we'll start there. We'll get into some other listener questions here. Got about ten minutes here left in the show, of course. So be sure to smash that thumbs up button. Subscribe also right here on YouTube, of course. So we got a ton of coverage, uh, DFS coverage coming for you later on today, five thirty p.m. Eastern time. You got MLB live before lock, and then we got our NBA coverage starting at six thirty. Deeper dive at six thirty, and at seven thirty Eastern time, it will be NBA live before lock. So let's get into Sam's super chat questions. Uh, first off, top two cash, Pete. Yikes. I guess it's got to be Jelton Almeida, right, for cash. I mean, you, you want to have some upside. And of the 9,000 fighters, he has some of the best inside the distance odds. Um, I don't love the price point, but I, I understand it. I'm, I'm going to say Jelton Almeida. I'd probably, from a cash perspective, I'd probably go with Holly Holm as my number one cash play. 
Um, number two is interesting to me because you can go many different ways. I would, I'd probably go Omar Morales. Hmm. Yeah, you really can go so many different ways. For I mean, you can cash. go cheaty, um, but I mean, the concerns about potential being grappled. Um, Joseph Holmes, I think, is another one you can go to. Oh, God. High volatility, but it, that's more about betting against his opponent than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably say if I had to pick a second for cash, it would be Omar Morales' strength of schedule versus Uros Medic. So that's why 8,400, that's that's probably the second pick. Uh, top two GPPs. Top two GPPs. Well, it's got to be Jolton Almeida. has to be. Um, second one's tough. I, I, I'd probably go cheaty. I'm going to go cheaty as well. Yeah. Uh, top two underdogs. Number one is Chase Hooper for me. Wow. Wow. Number two is going to be Vince Morales. I don't, I, I don't mind that Vince Morales call. I don't mind that one. I mean, um, I, I would naturally say the, the Poliana Viana just because it's women's MMA. Yeah. And, um, Jorge saying Beyond is now training at shoot the box. So that's that's interesting. That's interesting. But I'm still going to go Morales and Chase Hooper. Top leverage plays. Got to be Parker um, Porter, right? Parker Porter, I think, would be one. Caitlin Vieira, number two. Yeah. Right? I mean, five rounds to work with. Everybody D- knows D- Holly Holmes' name. Dusko could be interesting if he's able to utilize the, the takedowns. I, mean, I, th- I think there's a lot. I think in terms of leverage this week, we'll see. Um, but I think there's a couple of guys you could get to. Uh, optimal and dart plays. Um, talking about optimal, no matter who wins, I would probably find it highly. I would find it highly likely Injikwani and Dusko ends up mm-hmm. being optimal. Um, Porter Almeida. Yeah, Porter Almeida. After that, it's it's really tough to put your finger on on the next one. Um, I mean, Amadovsky Holmes, maybe. Yeah, Amadovsky Holmes was one that I was kind of thinking of there. I mean, a dark place to me. It's Parker Porter. It's Caitlin Vieira. Yeah. Favorite inside the distance. It's uh, to me, it's Chidi. Yeah, it's Chidi and Almeida. I like him a lot this week. Yeah. Uh, his over under is five and a half. So we got 11 fights. I don't mind that number, Sam. I think it's a good number over. Let's see here. Yeah, I would say over two. I think it's a good number though, Sam. Was his number? What was the number last week? And was it, was it accurate? Was it like four and a half last week? What happened last week? I blocked that out of my memory. Well, the Petrosky uh, thing just ruined a lot of parlays for people, including my own. Um, last week, we had one, two, three, four, five, six finishes last week. I think I said over. Okay. I mean, that, you're going to miss sometimes, Sam, but that's not a bad miss. That's That was fine. No. Um, Samuel, um, going through some of the questions earlier on the chat, uh, Vieira will be the top undervalued play of the slate, in my honest opinion. Could be. Say that again. I totally missed that. He said, uh, Caitlin Vieira will be the top undervalue play of this slate. 
I, I mean, I don't think so. It's five rounds to work with, and it's women's MMA. I would imagine that her ownership's going to be ridiculously high. Yeah. Uh, Spencer says, uh, what up, guys? Great to see you. I know prices on FanDuel haven't come out, but right now, who's your favorite MVP? Hmm. On FanDuel? FanDuel would probably be, for me, it, it would probably be cheating. But I think Almeida is another interesting one as an MVP. We just—I'm uh, just going to pull up the Fanduel that makes. Usually, it's sometimes around like the end of the show when, when the numbers come out, and uh, there are no, no salaries out yet for, on okay. Fanduel. Yeah, I mean, I think the, Chidi and Chikwani fight makes a ton of sense, in the in the MVP spot. Um, last week, Davy Grant was excellent in the MVP spot. Yeah. Uh, all right so if you got any questions uh we'll line those up here at the end of the chat i mean you know like look as, as i think about some of the topics we'll probably be talking on saturday live before lock i mean I, i'm sure chase hooper will probably be a, a, com- a topic of conversation um you know i think what does jonathan almeida look like on the scales tomorrow i think that'll be a, a, an interesting conversation because I mean, look, Parker Porter is going to be around that 265-pound limit. And the fact of, you know, is Jalton Almeida, is he plus or minus 220? Yeah, I mean, goodness gracious. we saw He's already, he's already said he's going back to 205. So know, I'm sitting there going, how big could you potentially be? The worst thing you can do in fighting is underestimate your opponent. And sometimes we see that happen all the time. And just already looking in the future and – thinking that you're going to pick up an easy win because they see Parker Porter doesn't look like an intimidating guy at all, but he's a steady fighter. Um, it's like the little engine that could, if, if you don't take him out early, he's still going to be there and he's going to test you rounds two and three in all areas. Um, you know, Almeida has a phenomenal round one percent, but outside of round one, you know, he, he could fall off a cliff as far as his cardio. So I'm interested to see the size discrepancy. Um, I'm also interested to see some other fighters on the scale. Like Amadovsky's been away from the cage for a little bit. I want to see what this guy even looks like. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, just get some reads and see how I want to see the stare down of Felipe Calares against Chase Hooper. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are then going to be like, wow, Chase Hooper looks exceptionally yeah. larger than Felipe Calares, who's a bantamweight. And, I tell you what, I was kind of impressed with his his jujitsu in that jujitsu uh, match against Hanata Moicano because I really hold Moicano's jujitsu in such high regard. Uh, Samuel says, "Is Viana Ricci be winning via submission? Then who's the pick?" Yikes! I might go Ricci. Yeah, I'd probably say Ricci probably has the better jujitsu. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that she can't get stuck on bottom though. Um, but if you want to look at like. In the UFC, Poyana Vian has been able to capture people's arms pretty, pretty, pretty well. Um, it's happened once to her as well. But yeah, I, I'm interested to see how that fight plays out because it's it's going to be slate breaking. Like it's really going to shape the entire slate just because of the the salary. I'm gonna throw this question out to you. And we'll end it on this question. The numbers one and a half, one and a half female fights. Under over is optimal. We got three female fights on this card. That was a good question, Jason. 
could you sit there? I mean, like, cause like we, we know generally how women's MMA mm -hmm. statistically plays out more than two and a half rounds. Mm -hmm. Do you sit there and say, do you build a lineup where you just X out the female fights? Mm, I can't do that. I mean, you, I mean, it depends on how many lines you're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It could. I mean, Viviana Araujo last week, bring her up again. She, she performed pretty well against Andrea Lee. And in round one, Andrea Lee looked like she was on her way to getting a quick finish herself. So, I mean, we, we see optimal women's MMA fights all the time. I'd have to say at least one of them sneak in. The line of one and a half is, is tricky because the main event's a five-round fight. I don't expect it's going to be a part of the optimal, but Holly Holm needs to win in order for it not to be optimal. You know what I mean? Like, if Caitlin Vieira wins regardless she's probably in there yeah by the way arusha was the fifth highest score on DraftKings. that's week. right baby that's right yeah, yeah, round one 20. she almost got destroyed yeah i mean it, it's crazy when you look at the top six scores from DraftKings last week salaries of 8300 8400 9, 7300 8, 6900 yeah that's ridiculous <laughs> just crazy just just crazy out there i mean it, it's one of those things uh to put that there sam so official Samuel's question among the female or male fighters who have the most takedown attempts. I think it'll be Chase Hooper. Um, he had eight takedown attempts against Steven yeah. Peterson, six against Peter Barrett. Um, the other one that I was thinking of is Jen Young Park, as you brought him up at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Uh, he definitely can go to that well. It's just the physicality of Anders can negate some of it. 10 attempts against Barriel, four against Phillips, five against Nchukwe. Of course, uh, we'll be back here on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time for Live Before Lock, one hour leading up to UFC Vegas 55. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in here for the strategy show. Of course, be sure to pound that thumbs up button. Of course, if you're listening to the show on the podcast network, leave us a rating and review. Really do appreciate that over there as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of the also MMA strategy show. Huge thanks to our sponsor, Prize Picks, and we will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Have a good day, everybody. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.